Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is the third installment of our Pro Player Diary show with a man I always enjoy talking to on these airwaves. And apparently you guys do too, because and gals, because the, the listens have been really good and we've been getting an inordinate amount of very sharp comments, some of which we'll get to in the show. The man I'm very pleased to be doing this series with is professional player Sean Borman. Sean, what's the latest? Well, not much. I like that you mentioned gals because I, I mentioned to my wife the other day that we were doing this and asked her if she'd like to listen and she just sort of like rolled her eyes at me. And just like, no, I've sort of, sort of had enough of you and your, your stories and bullshit. So she's, she's going to decline. She has politely declined uh, to download any of the episodes of the ProClear Diary. I do have a dream show that I haven't ever done anything about jk and i have been talking about doing this for years where we do the partners of serious horse players a show where so essentially we'd have you know you know obviously we'd have kiana complaining about you we'd have uh jessica paquette's husband complaining about her and just all susan would have to get a call you know just all of the um all, all of the, the the weird funny stories that come up when you make the quite questionable life decision to be partners r- romantically with somebody who's in this life. I mean, do you think Kiana would do it? I think she might. We've actually had that conversation before. Um, I think you and I may have talked about this once off air because I, I know Kiana and I have definitely had this conversation, uh, just like a round table of, of wives and husband's <laughs> bitching about horse players um probably not all that different than horse racing twitter bitching about everything really. level vitriol would 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 get up there like that <laughs> well, i know she the, the running joke for us always was like you know new year's eve consisted of like throwing on entourage reruns while i handicapped and she was just like after like four or five years into our relationship she's just like is this like Honestly, this is it. Like, this is what this is what is going to happen on all these holidays, and like you know, me skipping Thanksgivings to play the fairgrounds. And, you know, just like yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is. Well, you've come a long way. You told me you 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 decided to pass up the uh, that turfway carryover, which surely in years past you would have been getting involved in to uh, to have a to, to have a date and you didn't you didn't regret it for a second. So, I mean, you, maybe you've learned your lesson after all these years, or at least Hong Kong affords you the opportunity to have learned that lesson. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, you've got to earn the opportunity not to work. I mean, you don't you know, you don't retire one year into your gig. You, you work hard and then, then when you get older. And then you can slow down a little bit. That's that's exactly right. We went on a nice dinner date and dropped the kids off for a sleepover and had a, had a nice time Fantastic. Saturday and didn't uh, didn't have to sweat the poly track and <laughs> all the other crap. What? Uh, Where did you end up going in, uh, out there in Lexington? We went to uh, an Italian place called Italics downtown. It was, it was phenomenal. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was really really good. We had a we had a great waitress who made good recommendations and the food food was incredible maybe one to put on the list for the upcoming uh the upcoming trip i'm going to be down there for the contest weekend is that the kind of thing that might uh draw you out of your usa semi-retirement to play in play in a contest like the keeneland one i i imagine winning that for you would be worth something more than money 
Yeah, I'd like to get my way back into the BCBC for sure, and that would be a, a decent a decent start. Um, I will I, I will probably play in that contest. Yeah, I'm not I'm not totally sure. And really, you know what? It depends on when it is because uh, Kiana's twentieth reunion at Duke is one of those weekends. So if it's that weekend, then I, I would I might be able to play it online. I guess. Yeah, it's the um, second weekend. So they open Easter. Opening day is going to be the 7th. And then I think the contest is going to be the 15th. Um, I'm coming yeah. down for that for that week sometime in the middle of the week and really uh, looking forward. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Lexington then and I'm, then I'm coming back and I'll do a couple of days for, for Derby as well. We're going to be doing and we'll get details out about this as we have them. But we're going to be doing another Derby event with our friends at TaylorMade that just became official this week. So that should be that should be fun. Before we get to your dot, the diary portion of this diary show, we had a couple of really interesting questions come in from listeners so i wanted to um i wanted to 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 bring that up and the first email came in from joe and it was talking about this concept of the separator in a single leg in the pick six now this is a concept i first learned from gibson carruthers sire of uh, of matt and a super sharp guy and wanted to talk to you about you know, the separator concept and how you use it or don't use it in conjunction with the Steve Christ um, ticket maker ABC uh, approach and some of the issues Joe said he's had with construction, not getting enough um, reward for the risk when doing the ABC method. And um, I, I just wanted to bring you in for your, for your comments on, on this. Um, yeah, that, you know, Gibson was the first, that was the first I'd learned of the separator idea as well. And, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's, you know, it's really a brilliant idea is you just, you know, find a horse that you're confident will give you that separation in, in whatever pool you're playing in and, and just sort of build around that. And that, you know, that sort of takes the, um, takes the element of what Joe was saying, of you know, the ABC, you know, sort of getting underpaid at times, unless you really weight those things properly, which is extremely hard to do nowadays. Um, you, you can, you can so sort of lull yourself into using too many horses and watering down your, your value. Um, so if you just, you know, if you just single the single the value horse, there's the value right there. You don't have to do anything else. And then in, in the in the you know other legs, you can you can sort of do a, like a hybrid approach, really. You know, just just say you know a pick six. I'm going to use two separators, and if they don't win, I'm going to lose. And then in the other legs, you could even do an ABC method around those two separators. Um, I've seen you do an either or separators. I've seen you do an either or, Sean, in your construction where they don't necessarily, if they both win, you you know, you're going to crush it. But if one or the other wins, you have the ticket set up in such a way where you've got an outsized chance to to hit it still. Is that, was that just a weird one-off that I saw you put tickets together that way? Or is that something that's, that's fairly common? No, I do. I do. You know, I do that a lot. Um, I, you know, I think the the most important thing about ticket construction is there's no set way to do it. I mean, you need to be sort of proficient at multiple ideas and 
let the sequence sort of dictate how you play things, but always, you know, be cognizant of the value horse and who the value horse could be based on your opinions. So yeah, I'll do, you know, I'll do, you know, I'll do tickets where I'll say two out of three of these horses have to win or one out of three of these horses have to win and then fill in the blanks. Um, and then, you know, if they all three win, I might have that one 20 times. If, it, if, if only one of them wins, I might have it one time. Right. Um, and just press, you know, it just all goes back to like allocating your dollars based on your opinion as efficiently as, as possible. But especially now, you've got to be very cognizant that you're getting, you know, getting the value. Like you don't want to be, you know, you just don't want to have a pick five where you've got, the top three betting choices covered in every leg, really, because if it comes that way, you're going to be underpaid because yeah. even with some sophisticated tools, it's just impossible for you to be as efficient as the, as the computer teams are going to be. The value now, is going to get chiseled. They're, they're, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, as field size just keeps shrinking and shrinking at most tracks, it's just so much easier to be efficient and cover, you know, cover all these sequences the, the way you should properly. So, you know, that's, that's the idea of the separator is just sort of build it in, build the value into your play versus creating it with, you know, pressing horses and stuff like that. I like the way you describe it though. Maybe one of three or one of two, my fear with just like the eight to one separator is you're ma you're taking something that's great value in the wind pool and turning it into like a very complicated win bet. That's my only, I'm not saying it's wrong or anything, but that's like my resistance to doing that all the time. Um, but you know, maybe a smarter person would be also, would be, would be betting the same amount to win or half the amount to win in the pick six or just, or just not minding looking to make a, a really big score. But I like the, the extra variables you, you threw in there and other ways of using the separator concept. And yeah, Joe's specific example. I mean, I think we can probably, most of us can relate to this. You put in some pick play, you're putting 250 bucks into it. You end up, you know, you have to have all these things go right to hit a pick five and you ends up returning two to one or less. So you end up getting very frustrated or even you get to the pay leg and, and it's, you're not, you know, you're not seeing that sexy return and then it, and then it blows anyway. And the one example that he gave as an alternative, and I think this is smart, you know, try to simplify where possible is to mess around with exactas. And he talks about finding large fields, often turf and being able to find, you know, horses he genuinely likes that can come in and pay over a hundred for a $2 exacta and look to, you know, you don't have to risk that much and you can try to really knock that out of the park. And and I think that's, I think that's smart. If your opinion allows for it, I, I mean, one way to combat all of the things that go against us in these games is to really pick your spots and, and make sure the risk and reward is right when you're going to take the bat off the shoulder. I imagine that's an idea you have some sympathy for. Yes. And I, I would think that, you know, I don't think, Excuse me. I think the more legs to a bet or the more slots to it, you know, pick sixes and, and superfectas, you need more separators in those pools than you do in exactas and daily levels. You know, an eight to one in a in exacta 
can go a lot, you know, goes a lot farther than it does in a, in a pick six where the other five legs come logical. Yeah. So, you know, typically what I'm doing now in the pick six is saying, I've got to have two winners at good odds for me to hit it. And that's in Hong Kong where I know, you know, I'm going to get an outsized return in the, in, in the States right now, I probably would say I need three winners at good odds. Um, and then structured around those singles, I would then try to efficiently bet the other leg. So, you know, I would say, you know, my A, my all A's around my two singles, I might try to have like 10 times if versus if it comes like all B's around those two singles. So, you know, I really try to lock those other legs up around the separator horses. But I think the general idea of like switching to exactos or doubles, you know, if you love an eight to one shot, you know, and, 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 the, and the pick five play is going to cost two or three hundred dollars, just just play two three hundred dollars into a double into the eight to one shot. Because right. then, you you know, you you, you can't you, you get a bigger return potentially. Um, ROI wise, like you might, you know. And maybe, but maybe even actually, I mean, just think about how many more times you can have it. You can, people, exactly. I think, have this I mean, knee jerk reaction that the longer picks, you're going to get more money out of the pool. But why? If you're looking at a very liquid double and, you know, you're, especially if you're anti favorites and going to be maybe getting something outsized, I sometimes I feel like the smart wagering tools that we've talked about and things like that are actually really underused in bets like doubles and and pick threes and i'm not saying it's easy it's not i mean you're still dealing with computer money and some very tricky things but i think some of these ideas if you can have strong opinions in two of three legs or ideally three of three legs i mean i i think i'd rather do that than jack around with super complicated construction on on a bet like the like the pick five or pick six at this point yes I, I completely agree. I mean, the biggest the biggest scores I had all of last year were either an exacta or a double. I had one pick six that I hit really well, and that was a consolation. I didn't hit the big one, but everything else was just a two you know a two combination bet that I had a strong opinion in, and just actually I think they were, I'm not even sure there was a double. I think they were just two exactas. Um, at, at big tracks where you could cash a lot of money out of the exact pool. It stands to reason also that by focusing on one, two horse bets, you're, you're, you're not taking variance out of the equation, but you're like limiting the effect that it has. I was having a conversation with a horse player today and, and making the suggestion that, you know, there's, there's somebody out there who had an incredible year last year based on two or three, pick sixes where things just went their way who's actually not particularly good player and got lucky and the variance was in their side in some very complicated bets it's it's a much harder feat <laughs> to me to turn a profit on your win bets than it is to to get lucky you know and it, it's not like there's a lot of people out there getting lucky that that game is is very hard as well but i think you know if you really want to look yourself in the eye and evaluate how good you are as a player. I wouldn't do it by looking at the success you've had in the pick six, because it's too much variance. I, I would look, I would look to these simpler bets. Do you think, do you think that's fair? And for you, 
as a professional player, how do you, do you always just evaluate yourself by the money on your bankroll or are there other metrics that you take a look at? Um, Excuse me. No, I, uh, I keep track of my ROI and, you know, how much money I fed into each pool um, and look at it relatively frequently. I did a big deep dive going into last year over, you know, the last five or six years of my betting. And it, it really just showed me, you know, I had almost no business playing trifectas or superfectas anymore. I was just getting killed. Um, I was able to, you know, sort of hold my own, but all my profits were coming from exactas, win bets, doubles, um, pick threes, and then pick sixes, which, you know, doesn't make a ton of sense at first glance, but, you know, when you sort of understand the way I play pick sixes and when I play them, it's when I have strong opinions in multiple legs. Right. But all the all the bets that I was profitable profitable in were were bets that lent themselves to have strong opinions. You know, like win bets. Like you're not gonna make a win bet on five different horses in a race. You're gonna bet one. You know, you you know, doubles you're probably not gonna spend too many combinations. I'm sure some people will play like a four by four double, which is, you know, stupid. But, you know, I'm playing like one by two doubles or one by one doubles. You know, when I have a strong opinion is when I make those bets. And those were the bets that I was, you know, the most profitable. And so that's that's what I've tried to focus on now is just, you know, learning that and and, and learning over the last few years that the, the spread around and tries and supers method that used to work isn't working anymore. You know, it's really helped me sort of get a grip on what I should be doing. Um, I, I don't do it all the time, but it's, you know, I know what I should be doing most of the time. It does surprise me that like with your skill of eliminating a bad favorite, I would have thought that the, the try that alone with the tries and supers would, would have put that in a better, in a better category than it seems to be, but maybe it's just the risk reward with um, just how efficient those 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 pools are now has has taken that away from you but yeah that that is a little bit surprising to me just on that you know i know that's a club you have in in your bag but it's interesting that it's not enough to to get you out of the bunker yeah and maybe i'm not as good at at construction constructing bets around that opinion when i do have i I would kill to be able to just you know properly lay a horse um on an exchange without having jumping through 50 hoops to do so. But, um, <laughs> but even then, like, you know, uh, it, it's one thing to hate a favorite on the win end and a totally different thing to get it all the way out of a super. I mean, a lot of times those horses still run third and fourth and it, yes, you know, um, so that's, you know, the exact as that I, you know, hit so well last year. We're we're throwing favorites out, some of them, um, and just getting them out of the top two. But then again, you know, one of one of my biggest scores last year was, you know, keying up, you know, probably even money horse that that I liked with a twenty to one horse underneath it, exacta, just a one way exacta. So you don't you don't have to throw the favorite out to to have big scores. 
as but, we as we talk about it more too, I think the computers have gotten better at identifying the sort of win or run out favorite that I think used to probably make those bets more profitable when the market, you know, people are assuming the, the win percentage is the same idea for that horse to, to run second or third. And as we know, so often that's not the case. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, did you have anything else on that or should we get to our next question? No, I think let's go on. We had one from Brian who made a note about the Hong Kong Jockey Club publishing sectionals in 200-meter intervals versus the more familiar 400-meter-slash-quarter-mile intervals for the final 800 meters of each race. Curious if you, Sean, have incorporated these finer slices into your figures and whether there's any additional signal to be had there. Also, um, Brian, looking for some uh, information as to what the most useful starting point might be for calculating one's own figures. Sure. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting when they introduced that. Um, I think it was like in November. Yep. And I, I have not incorporated it into, into my figure making um, yet. I'm not sure that I will, honestly. I think it may just be, I don't know, like as Brian said, I don't know if there's any signal in it um, or enough signal in it to, to incorporate it, but it's something that's fairly new and I'm definitely going to look into it probably in the off season this summer, just get a, you know, three quarters of the, of the season worth of, of data and look at it. But I don't anticipate sort of altering the way I do figures or adding figures. Um, I, it just seems like it may just be for me, it may just be sort of overkill the way I do things. Like, you know, if you're a good data analyst and, and can, you know, throw it in into a program and really analyze it, then that's that's a totally different thing. And they and, and I'm sure some people are doing that and, and finding if it's useful or not. But to me it just sort of doesn't seem to at first glance it doesn't seem to matter that much or doesn't seem like it will enhance my figure. So I d I don't really plan on using it. Um, as far as make, you know, a good starting point to making your own figures, I, I forget which buyer book it was. Was it Buyer on Speed where he sort of went through his process? I think he do, does it in Picking Winners. Um, and then I think Is he talks picking about winners? Yeah, I think he goes into it in, in the very first book. But um, I th- he touches on it again, I think, throughout. Yeah, I, you know, I would just, I would start, you know, going through his books. I would look at... Uh, Brohammer's uh, modern pace handicapping. Yep, he goes through some figure making stuff, especially like pace figures. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other Quinn. I mean, I feel like the way you handle Quinn, it, right? Quinn, yeah. the late pace stuff from Quinn was yeah. really good. Yeah. Figure handicapping is that the book that you that you use to get some of those ideas? Um, yes, I think that is it. Guys, it's so long ago now. But yeah, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, I think it was figure handicapping. Um, and the, uh, you know, sort of the Sartan methodology is is pretty useful too. It's just, you know, to learn about efficiency and, and how, you know, efficiency of pace really matters. 
And that Brohammer goes into in great in great depth. Brohammer goes into yeah. yeah. That, that Brohammer book is is really really good. I know it's very hard to find. Uh, we should try to bring that back into print. Honestly, it's not it's not crazy that we'd be able to to do that. Actually, it's something. Um, uh, I'll put that on the to do list. Try to find out who has the rights for that. And see if we can do like something print on demand because because those ideas are really uh, are really they they really are important and have really. You know, one thing, another thing that you've influenced me greatly with, Sean, is just the idea of internal pace matchups, you know, and that's that comes right from Prohammer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. I bet you that uh, if you're if you're willing to make some figures for Sean somewhere along the line, he might he might even give you a a, a, a tutorial if you're willing to sing for your supper. I, I, I don't mean to volunteer your, your time, Sean, but I wouldn't you, if I were you, that would be an appealing notion. It's possible. You, I, I, I certainly don't want to do much of it anymore. Have you taught? Have you ever taught someone to, who's been successful? I mean, it, it, the the way you have it set up, I feel like I feel like you could. I have not. Um, I have, you know, one listener reached out, and and I'm gonna actually try to help him um, get started doing some stuff. Maybe this week, actually. Um, but I've, I've never. No, I'm not. I'm not taught anybody. Well, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I've not had anybody as dumb as I was to, <laughs> to approach me like I approached Mike and, and, <laughs> and begged him to let me sit with him on a daily basis. I, I don't have that, nor would I really encourage it anymore. No, it's it's a different world. And I, and I think, you know, Mike had his, Mike tells the story in the book about having having his reservations then about getting somebody involved in this life. It would be borderline cruel to do that to somebody today. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't want to. He didn't even want to speak to me. <laughs> his wife at the time. I can't really blame right? him. I can't blame him. That's right. You know, that's right. Dana, Dana forced him to. <laughs> so you really have him to blame, which is which is pretty funny. All right, let's dive oh, into. Wow. To, the reason we're supposed to be here, we'll we'll make fun of Mike more some other day. Um, but let's talk about the reason we're going to be here. Give us give us the the the, the recap of the week, starting with uh, how you went into the card on uh, on Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, you know, was a was a good lesson in sticking to limits and trying to manage your limits and the opportunity cost of not managing your limits that well. Um, so I'm still trying to, you know, bet very, very little. Um, I think I, I think I risked $400 that day. Um, and there were not a lot of spots I was all that interested in. Um, there was, it was the last race of the day. I knew that they were going to make a bad favorite, um, a horse that I was pretty familiar with, and I, I just knew he wasn't as good as the public thought he was. He was sort of one of these narrative horses that the, they love to bet these horses in Hong Kong, where you know he was uh, he's trained, owned, and trained by the same connections that that run Romantic Warrior, who's like the second best horse over there. And the trainer started this horse. I think his name is Nordic Warrior. He's, they started this horse in the exact same race at Happy Valley that they started Romantic Warrior, and he won impressively. And, you know, so you just get the natural, like, is this the next Romantic Warrior mm -hmm. bullshit? 
you know, <laughs> same silk, same, you know, impressive wind, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the horse just isn't that good. He's just not that fast. I bet against him every time since then. Um, he buried me once, got a perfect trip. But the last two times, he's, I think he's got beaten. And then he drew 12 on Wednesday, and I knew he wasn't going to make the lead. I knew he was going to be a short price. Um, so I knew I wanted to bet that race. Um, early in the card, I, you know, mainly just focused on taking trip notes, understanding the bias. And I, you know, as I tend to do, got a little bored with just grinding on trip notes and found two races where I, you know, I think I was getting pretty good value, um, but it wasn't like an A kind of opinion. It was sort of like a middling opinion that, you know, when things are going good, I should have bet. But in this environment, when things aren't going good and I'm trying to really stick to my best opinions, I, I shouldn't have made these bets. Um, but, I, you know, I bet like 150 bucks on each of them maybe. Um, so I was sticking to my limit, but it just, you know, in, in hindsight, I should have bet all my money in that last race because I had a much better feel for it than I did these other two. Uh, so fast forward, I get to the last race. I've got 100 bucks left of my limit. Could have very easily bet more, but I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm working a program right now. I've got to force myself to do the right thing. Um, I really sort of liked the, the six, I think he went off at five, five and a half to one. Um, I sort of liked that horse to win the race, but then there was like a 28 to one shot that I thought, you know, had a big shot to run second. So I just played a, uh, you know, I played a two combinations. I played $80, five to one over 30. I think the horse ended up off at like 30 or 34 to one. Um, straight exact. And then I flipped it for 20 for like insanity insurance. Yep. And, you know, five to one horse, they both get pretty bad trips. Um, the, the, the 30 to one shot in particular got the really bad trip. Um, but, you know, the right horse wins the race. The 31 shot comes flying, runs third, beaten Ugh. by the link. Gross. Um, you know, I was going to get back about 10000 on that $80 exacta. Ugh. The horse that beat me, you know, was glued to the rail the entire time, never had to come around another horse. And my horse was three wide most of the way and had to swing out like five or six wide entering and, and came flying. So, like, I was right. Um, totally right about the favorite. I don't know where he finished, but it wasn't anywhere close. You know, but if I, you know, if I've got all $400 to bet in that race, maybe I could, you know, I certainly would have had some money on the try. Um, not entirely sure I would have used the horse that, that beat me for second anyway, but he was certainly a contender and, you know, there's some chance I, I, yeah, that try. This What's could that? be another. This could be another case where the swinger might have come in handy. How? How? Yeah, how did? Of course. And see, I knew you'd bring up this damn swinger. Um, yes, <laughs> the, the favorite out. Because like <laughs> the, the swinger is also you're sort of getting a you're getting a boost for a favorite that you really don't like, right? Because your combos are going to pay so much more with the bad favorite out. Which, yeah, and I'm sure it probably played pretty good. I'll look right or while we 
with filibuster for just a second. <laughs> You've gotten into you're, you're you're learning. You're really getting into all the all the podcasting tricks now with the the the, the stallifying and whatnot. But yeah, I don't. I, I I'm I'm afraid you're going to let out a horrible uh, curse when you hear when you see what it paid. But but maybe not. I mean, you know, maybe. Well, but you know, betting a hundred dollars, like you know, I wasn't going to. You know, my mindset right now is you know stick to my limit and try to get back you know two or three months worth of losses into gotcha. one bet, not gotcha. necessarily get four to one. But let's see what it paid. It was the uh, three twelve swinger paid. It was twenty to one, so yeah, you know that would have been that would have been helpful. Um, but, is your is your so that, inclination that to use say. that and the try, or do, you, do or do the try and the swinger? Do you do, in your brain is it sort of a one and the other, or or in terms of like a saver of an exact that you like, or do you feel like it might be appropriate to to use both pools? I've typically used it as a saver pool. Um, but you know, I think ideally you just sort of look at each pool and, you know, bet them all if you can. I mean, if, right. you're, if you're getting, if you're getting the proper value, then there's, there's really no reason not to bet them. But I get but I'm that. just sort of stuck in this mindset of, you know, one or two combinations right now to, to, you know, recoup a lot of losses at once not necessarily churn um as much as i can so that horse that horse that horse finished 10th by the way the favorite finished 10th 10th of 12 yeah i think the, the place lay is a bet you would enjoy if you uh if you were living in the uk i think that's that's a I would, that's a good I would one. love to bet yeah you could make a fortune bet against some of these horses yeah, but there is no, there is, there's no legal exchange for Hong Kong. Oh, just to back up for a second, for those that don't know, the Swinger or the Omni, two horses anywhere in the top three, so they can you can run one, 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 two, one, three, two, three, two, three, um, and it's one that's come up a few times in terms of this streak of unlock that Sean has been on of identifying the right horses and just not been being getting to uh, have them come in the in in the right direction. Was it what was your mental state after? Was this another feeling good that you were seeing the ball and smartly wanting to examine what you did in terms of your limit early in the night that might have compromised you or, or was this, was, was it more emotionally wrenching than that? Well, honestly, I felt great after it. I felt really confident. Um, I mean, it's, it, it, wasn't fun like i definitely took the dog for a walk afterwards and, and yeah. sort of thought things through but you know i'm just repeatedly losing photos losing photos and i know i've texted you all in our in our group text like it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's obscene the amount of monies i've lost in photos in the last two to three months like just genuinely you know if you throw the bcbc in there it's just like actually like gross um, but even without the BCBC, it's probably well into six figures at this point. So, you know, you, you don't lose that many photos for big money if you're not doing something right, if you don't have good ideas. And if you're not, you know, betting, you know, 80, probably 80% correctly. Um, it's just that last 10 to 20%. I don't know if you can ever bet hundred percent correctly, but if I can get from 80% to 90, you know, I feel like things are going to turn 
pretty quickly. Um, and I feel like I'm almost there. It's that just... reminds me, that reminds me of a quote that I once heard a great contrarian quote from a professional poker player who I was talking to her about getting rivered essentially. And, you know, expecting that that was going to be one of the more frustrating things in the, in the profession. And she said, well, not, she said, I could understand that if it was for somebody, but not for me. When I, when I, when somebody sucks out and beats me, I like quietly smile to myself knowing I did everything right. And that money will be coming back to me in the long term. It's, it's a little bit like that in horse playing with these these kind of photos and and bad luck things you've been dealing with. I think. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, it's you know, I think in in poker in particular, you you know, you, you sort of know exactly who your opponents are a little more and know their skill level. But it's the same. It's the same idea. I mean, it's you know, if you if you constantly make good value bets put yourself in good positions and eventually things are going to work. Yeah. And, and, in right. a, and in a funny, ironic way, you're going to get, you get, you get bad beats when you're doing things right. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's how it's a bad beat. Right. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. It's not, I mean, if, if I would have bet the favorite and he ran 10th, you can't complain about that. You know, cause you're <laughs> just dead wrong. But you know, when you've got constantly have 30 to one shots, flying at the wire and just losing photos then you're doing something right yeah so that's that's good that's a good analysis of the mental state how did you what did you do late week did you were you tempted by any usa stuff or is it just did you have sort of normal days where you where you it sounds like you were in a good mental state so maybe you were just catching up on work but uh give me a sense of what your thursday and friday were heading into saturday before we get to the specifics uh, Thursday and Friday, I just I got I finally got 100% caught up with my workload, um, which was a great feeling. I, you know, Pete, I read a book for a little bit. And I took I took my little girl swimming and read a book while she swam, which was the That's first fantastic. time I've done forever. Um, what what were you reading? It's good. I mean, I gotta hear. I gotta uh, hear what you're reading. I'm, I, I'm almost finished. I'm reading The Fall by Albert Camus. Oh, Camus! Yeah, ah, oh. he's one of my one of my all time favorites. Ah, an excellent choice. If you have you read them all? Have you read uh, the plague and and uh, and uh, the stranger and all that stuff? I've not read the plague. The stranger, I loved the stranger, and that's oh, why stranger. I picked this one up. The plague is amazing, and you know, it's in a in a completely random reading choice, I reread that book in like December of nineteen. <laughs> hmm. then, then I got to live it. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> But oh, that's uh, the uh, that's that's some heady stuff. I love it. Yeah. So you know, I just I had a good weekend, and then the the Saturday Saturday night um, card. It didn't really. It was a great card of racing. They had some big races. Um, they had Golden Sixty versus Romantic Warrior. They had um, the second leg of their four year old series. But it wasn't the, the the wagering. It, it wasn't a card that sort of lent itself to what I'm trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I made, I think, two. I made two bets. Um, the first one I had a pretty strong opinion early in the card. It wasn't, you know, it was a short field for Hong Kong. I think they only ran eight, and it was uh, 
race that looked like you know very 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 short priced obvious winner and i thought i could just pick like a straight cold try that was paying like 12 to 1 so i, I made like a i don't know 60 dollar try bet um okay you know the, the horse i wanted to run second didn't didn't really run so i missed that one and then i didn't I, I just didn't have any strong opinions. The only other thing I bet um, was in the four-year-old race. It, it just sort of looked to me, and this is the you know the horse that we talked about, Tuchel. Yep. Um, it really looked to me like that that it could just be a complete replay of that other race. You know, the, the he and the horse that beat him last time were just a lot faster. Then the rest of that field, and there was a horse that um, had real solid finish that I thought could run third. And then everybody else really had to improve, and they were betting. They were making the horse they ended up making favorite um, was another one of these sort of reputation horses that hadn't really run that fast. So I thought it was a good betting opportunity just to, you know, say one of these horses, you know. Any of these horses can improve and beat me, um, but but they're giving me an opportunity just to bet my figures straight and get you know the tries were paying like two hundred. I think I think they got bet late, but the the worst try I played like two four with two four with seven, just a cold try, and then put the seven in between them for a little bit, and the worst outcome was like one hundred and sixty five to one. And the best way it could have come was like 220 to one, maybe. Um, so I just, I just made that cold try and just said, I, you know, I won't be able to stand it if this runs the way I want to, if my figures are right. And if that favorite improves and beats me, or if a couple of these things improve and beat me, that's fine. Um, and that's what happened. The favorite ran a huge race, improved like 10 points on my figures and won pretty impressively. And, and the other two, um, the the horse I wanted to run third actually did run third, but the other two didn't didn't run. They ran like fifth and sixth, maybe. Um, so you know, took a shot and missed, but it was again. I bet two hundred fifty bucks to to win, you know, a minimum of sixteen thousand. Right. So, I you know, no. No complaints, just didn't work. The only the only holes I could really poke in those horses um, were the the day you know the the day that they ran ended up being the strongest rail of the of the season so far. It was like a ten point difference being the widest horse on the track versus being on the rail, and they were both just glued to the rail. Now, a lot of times over there especially with these sort of younger improving horses they don't necessarily regress you know they'll you can bet the horses that were wide knowing they'll improve next time but the ones that were on the rail you can't really bet against um because they don't necessarily regress but i think these two definitely they their figures regressed maybe five five of those ten points um so they were just a little dressed up it turns out but yeah, I mean, risk reward wise, a bet, a bet you have to make. What did you think of the big one, the the clash between the two big horses? What insights did you did did you have? And 
are you starting to become like a a little bit of a I know you've always been more of a gambler than a racing fan in the traditional sense, but you know, you appreciate great horses. Oh, of course. Now, Golden 60 is uh, he is a remarkable racehorse. I mean, he's just one of these horses that has such good finish that he's almost impossible to beat. There isn't a pace scenario. There aren't many pace scenarios, I should say, that really hurt him. Because if you, you know, if you go too fast early, he's going to run you down. If you go too slow, he's going to outquicken you and, and beat you. And, you know, they were running at 10 furlongs this weekend, and he's a miler. Like, he's much better. He's not much better, but he's, he's definitely better at a mile. Um, and they did everything they could have to try to beat this horse. I mean, the guy that rode Romantic Warrior did everything perfectly, moved at the right time, and Golden Sixty's just, he's just good, man. He just, he's very hard to beat. Um, it was a, it was a good race. It was bad betting. You know, it's hard to, hard to bet those races because there's just no value. Um, but yeah, as, as far as just like a racing fan goes, it was, it was tremendous because Golden Sixty sort of has this reputation as just like, a one-run closer, and they, you know, Vincent Ho, his jockey, was scrubbing him from 800 meters out, just all over him to keep up, and you know, because he knew Romantic Warrior was going to make his move on the turn and, and try to beat him to the finish line, so he was just scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, and he just, he still quickened and, and ran, ran him down, ran really well. Ran fast. I mean, that horse. I wish they'd travel with him some because he could he could go other places and win. But they they won't do it. Yeah, I guess it's 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 just not really their model, right? No, they're talking about um, sending him to Japan in June, maybe. But I mean, one of you know one of the sort of B level um, horses from Hong Kong won the. Won the Qatar race last weekend, really impressively. So they they shipped two Hong Kong horses to that thing and beat you know like Broom and a couple Aiden O'Brien horses beat the hell out of them. So these horses, you know, they can ship. They're they're good enough to ship. Ask it would be something. Just, that would be a that that would be a hell of a storyline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, it would be. I don't know. It'd be. Do they run a one turn mile or is that a straight mile they run? They have. But they have they have both. They have the round course and the straight course. So it just depends yeah, on the race. I'd love to see. I'd love to see Gold Sixty in that mile race. That'd be really interesting. We'll see. See if anything unexpected happens with that. So what about the what about this week? Are, are you excited for uh, you excited for Wednesday? Or are you uh, what is what do the races seem to hold in store? Any chance of pulling your interest for the? There's the, there's going to be a nice all stakes coast to coast pick five on Saturday. I was thinking maybe uh, maybe would draw your interest. I mean, it's possible. I, I at this point, you know, I think you and I were talking right before we started recording about how I, I just I, I enjoy my Saturdays with the girls too much to really yeah. care much anymore. I, you know, I hate to say it. it it's you know. I'm still doing. I try to force myself to look at more stuff, but um, I, I doubt I get involved um, in any any coast to coast or anything like that. It, 
One nice possible, thing, one thing that I'm sure you'll appreciate is they've already – here we are Monday, and they've already drawn those Saturday cards, which I love. Yeah, that is helpful. That's that's a good thing. They need to do more of that. The, drawing a day or two in advance just doesn't – you know, it doesn't, doesn't help anybody, really. Yeah, I mean, as a, from a podcasting point of view, the fact that I can sit tomorrow and – do all my work for late week. It just, it, it means wet Thursday and Friday don't have to be as much of a fire drill and it gives races time to sort of sit in your brain, I think. And I don't know, I feel like I bet them better when I've handicapped them earlier and I can really absorb that, that information. So I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a ton of, we're going to have a ton of stuff. If you were going to look, I was going to say, maybe we'll force you to come on the live stream for five minutes and look at one of the races, but you can be, you've been working hard for us. You can be off the hook for, for that one and keep your focus on, on Hong Kong. Is there anything, anything special coming up or you anticipate more of same, just looking to look to make a punch and, and, and do what you've been looking to do the last few weeks. Yeah, no, just more the same for me. I haven't, uh, I haven't looked at the card yet, but I am I am excited for Wednesday just because I feel like I feel like the worm is about to turn. Um, historically, this is going to sort of sound odd, but historically, I've always sort of been able to tell when things are changing, both positively and negatively. Um, and right now, it just sort of feels like good things are about to happen. Um, it's funny this. <laughs> this sort of losing streak um, that, that, that I'm going through now, I distinctly remember when it started. Like I, it was the damnedest thing. I could physically feel it, you know, <laughs> feel things change. You got to tell and, us more about this. What happened? Well, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a funny story. I was going real good at the end of last year. It was right. It was right around Breeders' Cup time. Um, I'd won like, six or seven maybe eight days in a row in hong kong so like almost three weeks straight of racing i was profitable every day i was seeing the ball well i was betting well was making good money and there was a, a happy valley card sometime it, it might have been right after the breeders cup but sometime in that time frame like early to mid november let's say and we were awoken that morning at like 4.45 to our power going out. So I'm laying there thinking, you know, we laid there for like 10 minutes to see if it was going to come back on. And it didn't come back on. So, you know, the card was starting in like 45 minutes. And I was like, okay, well, how exactly am I going to work this morning? <laughs> so I laid there for a minute. I was like, well... I guess I'm not going to work because I can't stream the races. I can't log into my, you know, nothing works. And then about 20 minutes later, it dawned on me. I could just do like a hotspot on my phone. I could, you know, we've got a gas fireplace so I could get some light that way. <laughs> I could probably find a flashlight if one of my little girls hasn't, you know, drained the battery on it. And then I could just pull the, you know, do the hotspot on my phone and get my computer to work. So I was like, okay. And there was a race, I think it was the second race that day. And by the time I sort of got everything up and going, I'd missed the first race and there was like 10 minutes to post for the second race. And I knew I wanted to bet this thing. So I get everything going, I'm sitting there in the dark, freezing cold. And 
I've, you know, put this play together sort of in a rush and get it to work and get it sent in and lose a photo, like a big photo, probably a, you know, $30,000 photo. I'm just like, but I hit, you know, I hit the race and, you know, I made, you know, 1500 bucks or or 2000 bucks or something, but lost a big photo. Right. Um, got, was able to get through that card. Okay. Um, got to the eighth or ninth race. Some late race was another one where I really liked something and the exact same thing happened. Just hit the race, like on my C tickets and, and made a little bit of money, lost a $20,000 photo. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, like I'm sitting here, there's no power I'm playing by firelight, I'm, you know, <laughs> losing these damn photos. I'm just like, and then I just, it dawned on me. I was like, you know what? Things just, it just, the switch just flipped like that. <laughs> it, it just, it just felt it that day felt different. And I, I don't think I've had a winning pick since oh I've God. had some break even days, but I haven't won. Now, oh. some of that may just be like my mindset may have switched and maybe I, you know, I lost the BCBC photo. I lose these photos and maybe something in me changed. And that's why it felt that way. Um, but I've gotten really good over the years of sort of learning when I need to sort of start de-risking and when I need to start, you know, risking back up, say. And I did a pretty bad job this time because I did say to myself, you know, that was the end of this run. I, I literally said that out loud sitting in the dark that morning. <laughs> but I didn't really I didn't really de-risk. I kept betting at the same limits and the same level I was. and as you all in our group text know, I've kept losing photos ever since. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm not going into this week, even though things starting to feel a little better, I'm not putting more risk on. I'm going to keep making small, very small bets. And just as Mike has always said, you know, I know he said on these other ways, like you've got to force yourself to win. You've got to earn the right to raise your limit. Yeah, earn the right to and bet until more. I earn it. Exactly, you got to earn the right to bet more, and you know, until that happens, I'm not betting anymore. Which is another reason why I'm not. You know, I have very little interest in a lot of the U.S. stuff anyway. But I'm certainly not going to. I'm not going to take. You know, my limits are so small right now. I'm not going to take any of it, and, and probably bet anything in the U.S. because I'm not doing any work in the U.S. right now. Right, that only makes sense. Why? Why? Maybe if things are going better, maybe if you're on a high, you start to get a little you heat check yourself a little bit. But uh, in the mode, in the mode you're in, it just doesn't. It just doesn't really. It just doesn't really fit. So I, I, I completely get that. Well, we're going to continue to follow this journey along with you, Sean. As long as you'll, uh, as long as you'll chat with us. Um, I think we're a little over time today, based on our our schedule. So we'll wrap it. We'll leave it here for now. But I've really been enjoying these shows. The listeners have too, and very much looking forward to having you back on next week. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for chatting. All right. Thanks, Sean Borman, one more time. Well, thank all the listeners out there, especially the ones who've taken the time to reach out, tell us uh, they've been enjoying these shows, and even ask some questions. You can do the same. You can find me on Twitter, at Looms Boldly. You can also reach out through the contact page over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. That goes straight to my email. The show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel.
May you win all your photos.